Welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 249. Thanks for tuning in. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tom Maluli, and alongside me is, well, actually not alongside me, but across from me. Yeah, we're, we're normally across the table. But That's right. I'm here too, Brendan Maluli. Brendan Maluli and Tom Maluli are here to paint the word picture for you. Yes, and I want to start off by discussing an NJ.com article that, uh, that, that you were quoted in uh, pretty extensively. Is that, is that correct? You are correct, sir. All right. Uh, so, so fill us in. This this was uh, this was on the FAFSA, correct? Yes. So, and we do get a lot of questions from clients asking about the FAFSA, and the FAFSA is kind of a moving target. Important to know if you have kids who have kind of gone through the college system already, things have changed. So you're so this this falls into the college planning bucket when we're when we're looking at a, a client situation, right. looking at their financial plan. So my advice to the folks who hang around the coffee pot or the water cooler at the office and say, when my kids went to college, this is how we did it. Don't say that anymore because things have changed. One of the big problems with doing the FAFSA each year in the past, if it were uh, you were filing it, you, and they usually had a, they would tell you in the calendar year, file as early as you can because these schools have a limited amount of financial aid. If you can file by January 31st, you should, or file as soon as you can in January. Meaning meaning the FAFSA form? File the FAFSA. And by extension of that, your federal income taxes as well, right? Correct. Because they want that information on the FAFSA. That's right. Let's just go back in time and say it's 2013 or 2014 or 2015. You would have to have your taxes complete or pretty much on their way to being completed in January when you go to file the FAFSA. So if you didn't have your taxes done, they eventually added an option that said, will file. And what would happen is your student's FAFSA form would be accepted, but the college would normally send out some kind of financial package award letter in late April or May 1st. You would get it. And uh, if you hadn't filed your taxes or you had to get an extension, you usually got a letter saying, Hurry up and get your taxes done so you can update your FAFSA information. It was a real drag. It's tough because, you know, while the college or soon-to-be college student, I'm sure, wants to make their decision and things like awards packages are going to factor into that big time, you also don't want to – so you want to get that in is what I'm saying. You also don't want to rush something like your federal income taxes because – Absolutely not. You you may and many likely aren't prepared to file taxes – uh, be prepared to file your taxes in, in January. That's very early. Years ago, when this business was getting off the ground and you were a student in school, uh, I was always getting an extension right. to file. So that kind of messed with the timing of the award packages. People also, get, People get flustered by this. It's a lot. So it seems like a an imperfect trade-off. Like, okay, so I'm either going to wait to hear about this college stuff, which is important to me and my child, or uh, I'm going to rush my federal income taxes re- tax returns, which is going to make me stressed Yeah. Uh, anyway, because we may not even have all the information we need, like 1099s and things like that at, at the time of year you need to do it. So so what do you do? Because it seems like it's uh, rock in a hard place. Before huh? we get to that, I will tell you that I could almost identify perfectly which clients had students 
in school or about to go to school because they usually call the first few days of January, when am I getting my 1099? Yeah, because I have to file the FAFSA. Mid-March, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't like that. Mm. So uh, FAFSA has changed their terms, and now you can use your previous year's tax return information. So that's really good. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're filing now, we're recording this in March of 2019. Most people are now filing the 2018 taxes. You can use your 2017 return. Right, and then and then eventually they'll ask you for the uh, the twenty eighteen return. No, is that, everything is, that is how this works. Everything is based off the previous year. There's a year lag. Right. So your financial aid package will be based for the twenty nineteen and twenty school year is based on your twenty seventeen hmm. return. Well, it's It'll always be a year lag. Interesting to uh, account for when you're when you're thinking about things you're doing that have tax implications in these years, that could either be advantageous or not, you know, depending on some people have, you know, one-off events that may uh, dramatically impact the kind of aid that they're getting. If they're showing a lot more income for one calendar year, if they took a big distribution from a retirement account or had, you know, something abnormal come across the, uh, the cash flow over the course of the year. They lost their job or they started a new business and there's no income, a lot less to show. That'll also skew the numbers as well. Yeah. These, uh, these decisions have ripple effects, so it's it's important to consider these uh, not not top of mind sometimes when you're making these decisions. But you know, think about this: this tax year is going to imp- impact this year of the FAFSA, and you can kind of map out and maybe uh, consider those ramifications when when you're thinking about. I mean, this is why financial planning is quote unquote comprehensive because these these areas all have overlap, uh, whether whether it seems like it on the surface or not. Yeah, there's like you said, there's there's a ripple effect all through. <clears throat> totally off topic, but I knew that when I started the business back in 2002, you know, I had worked for Morgan Stanley. You know, I borrowed a lot of money. I was in a situation where my car started falling apart, and I had to buy a car, and I had to borrow money to get a car. I knew that I had to do it pretty soon because at some point. My credit was going to change because of a change in my income and a change in my situation. Right. And so, yeah, you really need to think about this stuff uh, because uh, a job change, a retirement, all these things have far-reaching implications and not something that you would immediately think of. Also, not something that traditionally people have come to expect an investment advisor, financial plan. It's not something that people come to our office to talk about a lot of times, but they're surprised at the scope of what we're looking at in in terms of their life and finances. Like this is, this is no longer an industry of like, call me on the phone so I can like, you know, sell you something. It's, it's like people, you know, we're, we're looking at all the areas of a person's life and, and this can, what, what stock got upgraded at Gruntle right. uh, this morning? You and know. like people, people don't care about that, but they do care about stuff like this where you can show them the impact of a decision and why we should, you know, not just like wing it with stuff like this and, and try to plan out uh, as best we can. I know life is uh, throwing us curveballs at all moments, but this is along yeah. the same lines of, you know, when should you consider the timing of a Roth IRA conversion? Yeah. You know, I mean, if you have a situation where you've got a, you know, a, a pretty normal amount of income this year, next year there's going to be a big drop off because you're getting a retirement package or something's going on. That may be the 
the window. It's a to, one a one year opportunity to do something that can have far reaching implications on your future. You know, this is future tax free income that is not going to be subject to required minimum distributions. So it could, yeah, it could impact, you know, how much taxable income you're showing in retirement, which could impact you know, uh, how much of things like Social Security is being taxed or, you know, what, what bracket you're in at that point. And that in itself, uh, it, it affects um, withdrawal rates and, and where you want to take assets from. So if you have a chance to do something like that, you can, you can plan for it. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. So these things do have ripple effects. Like I like that phrase. We're going to use that some more. But these Roth IRAs, Brendan, they're they're tricky for, so, for some people. So I've had... I've had uh, an issue recently. My girlfriend has a Roth IRA, has been getting her taxes done this week, and the preparer at a very big tax tax firm that everybody knows, you see their commercials all the time. Right. We won't say their name, but their initials are H&R Block. <laughs> um, anyway, they have been trying to tell her that she can deduct these contributions that she's been putting into her Roth IRA, which of course we know is not true. She knows it's not true and has been sharing this with with this guy like, "Hey, I don't think that that's right. Like we I've never deducted these before. I don't I don't think that they're deductible since money goes into these accounts after tax. Uh that's that's not how this works." And so uh, I put out a tweet last night just like kind of making fun of the whole situation and and we're we're handling it and it's it's all fine. But one thing that was brought to my attention are you Twitter shaming uh, H&R Block over this? What I are you doing? I uh, didn't tag them, but I did name them in the tweet. So <laughs> anyway, uh, one thing that uh, a friend brought up, Andrew Miller, who we've discussed on the podcast before. really friend, friend of the firm. Friend of the firm. I did the Alpha Architect March for the Fallen with him. He uh, is really in touch with, with taxes and knows his stuff. And one thing that he replied was, is your girlfriend eligible for the retirement savers credit? This is actually a real point. This is kind of cool, which is why we wanted to bring this up. I said, I don't think so, but I'm going to look just to be sure because I had never heard of this before. So Andrew sent me a link. This it's, out, it's out there on Twitter. Yeah, and you know, just follow Brendan. And we'll you'll have see something. It. To, yeah. We'll we'll link to the IRS page in the uh, in the show notes too. But basically, the way that this works is uh, you can contribute to a host of retirement plans. Whether it, this is an IRA, Roth IRA, your four hundred one k at work, you can do four fifty seven, four hundred three b, a whole host. Basically, basically all of them. But there's there's a strict list on the IRS website you can reference. So how this works, this savers credit uh, for retirement savers credit, is that if you are age 18 or older, you're not a full-time student, no one else is claiming you as a dependent on uh, their tax return, you may be eligible to get a tax credit, not a tax deduction, for your retirement plan contributions. And the rate at which you get this credit is between 10 and 50% of whatever your contributions were with the $2,000 maximum for the credit. So that's the max that you're going to get. Uh, and this is all based on your adjusted gross income. And so... So t- the most you could get would be... A $2,000 credit. If you make 
Uh, and this is, this is obviously the credit is out there to help people, uh, with, with lower incomes. Uh, but if you fit into, into these, um, specifications, just as an example, you could, if you had a 30, if you were a single person and you had a $30,000 adjusted gross income and you put $3,000 into your Roth IRA, uh, over the course of the year, you could get a $300 tax credit for your contributions to a Roth IRA where you're going to get tax-free income in the future. No tax deduction, but you're getting a dollar-for-dollar reduction, $300 off of the income tax that you owe for that year. I did not know about this. It's it's out there for people, and specifically, I think it could be something that younger people want to pay attention to, and these are often the kind of people who are using a Roth IRA. Sure. If you're um, like a... I'm just thinking if you're a teenager... And you've got money like this, you're probably going to qualify on the threshold and you'll get a tax credit. You can't be claimed as a dependent on your parents' return. Got to be over 18. Yeah, you got to so be 19, over 18. 19, 20. But like right. these college students who are working and, and doing a responsible thing or somebody who's just out of school working on that starter salary. Yep. Um, Chuck it into a Roth. Yeah, if you do that, you can get a credit and you know most people will tell you that a tax credit is more valuable than a deduction that Always. you're going to get. I thought this was a pretty cool wrinkle, not something that I was aware of. Didn't didn't fix our problem with uh H&R Block, but uh pretty cool and something that I learned on Twitter that I thought was worth sharing. And so uh you know, we'll we'll have a link to more details on this in terms of how the AGI breaks down uh for the IRS. Obviously, check with your uh tax professional who I hope is a uh, reputable professional <laughs> or uh your investment advisor preferably both before yeah. you think about doing stuff like this, but it's uh it's worth it's worth checking out. Pretty cool stuff. I guess stuff. you should also find out like if your tax preparer is on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, I'm going to follow you for a few days before I let you at my return. Yeah, seriously. You know? So I have a question. When are we getting Patak on the podcast? I, w- I would love to have Jeff Jeff Patak of Morningstar on this podcast or Tim's Living With Money podcast. I mean, We've had his colleague at Morningstar, uh, Christine Benz, on that's right. the Tim's show. Uh, and we we mentioned their work, both of them. Respectively. I think we've uh, cited Jeff's work like at least three or four times in just the last couple of months. Well, basically, Jeff puts out a new article, and it's almost always something that I want to bring to the table to discuss yeah. Uh, yeah. on the podcast with you. And yeah. so that is the case today. New uh, article out from Jeff this morning, and so we read it and uh, wanted to come share some details. Don't don't uh, ditch that bad penny. Yeah, right. And so the. Um, the, the title uh, on this post is Think Twice Before You Ditch That Laggard Fund in Your Portfolio, which is oftentimes exactly what people want to do. Sure. I want to chuck this thing that hasn't been working. Everything else is up. Right. This thing is way behind. Let's yeah. just get rid of it and we'll move the money somewhere else. Right. And so- It's music to a broker's ears. Yeah, because it's transaction. It makes perfect sense. Um, look, and, and I'm not going to say that this is always- uh, Always not the right move, that, and that's certainly not what uh, Jeff is suggesting either. But what he is saying is that past performance doesn't equal future results. And no matter how many times we say that phrase in our industry, we all nod our heads, and then we still just look at past performance when we're trying to select uh, right. our new investments. So right. for whatever reason, I don't, I don't think it's ever going to go away. But the idea for this post came because back in 2008, there was a pretty good study that showed institutions, institutional investors were pretty bad in terms of hiring and firing their own managers. And this is 
you know, the behemoths of the investment world, like they're making poorly timed decisions in terms of when they fire a manager and hire a new one from that moment forward, the fired manager goes on to perform better than the one that they hired. There's a similar analogy. I guess S&P now manages the Dow mm. members. When they kick a company out of the Dow in the next 12 months, the the one that got dropped mm-hmm. tends to outperform the names that got added. Yeah. Uh, mean, mean reversion, and obviously not something that you can bank on, not going to work 100% of the time, but it does shed some light on maybe decisions that have been made that were not made for the right reasons. But you think about it, when would you ditch a mutual fund Probably after a period of, un, uh, you know, underperformance. Right, you're you're probably not selling your winner, and in most cases, you're piling more money into the winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're reinvesting dividends, or if you're taking proceeds from a loser, you're probably piling it into a winner, or if not something that you own that was a winner, something outside of your portfolio that has recently done really well, because. It's it's just human nature. I don't think like people are out there. They're not looking for. Wow, wow. Let me find the worst performing mutual fund I could find. Like, but that's, you know, it's. I know that mutual funds are going to be diversified, and they're going to be to a certain extent balanced within their universe of where box. they're going to be. Yeah, in yeah. their style box. But if you believe in rebalancing your portfolio, and let's just say you have a portfolio of stocks. If you subscribe to the idea that you rebalance, you're going to peel some money off of the winners and add to the things that have not been performing very well. So you're buying at lower levels. Here is what we often refer to in the industry as the smart money doing just the opposite. Yep. They're hanging on to the long-term winners. Okay. But they're ditching the losers. Yeah. And so what Jeff wanted to look at was since the institutions are doing this, one would presume that uh, individual investors are certainly doing something similar, and that that seems to be the case based upon the data. Yeah. So everybody's doing this. It's not uh, the smart money being stupid. It's well, it is, but it's all of us being stupid across the board. Wouldn't it be great if we could just say, "Hey, this fund really underperformed last year. Let's watch it for the next twelve to eighteen months." And if it recovers, then we'll move on. Well, then you've missed, right? <laughs> you've missed the thing. Like I, yeah. that sounds that sounds great. Sounds great. It sounds like perfect market timing to me. I don't yeah. think that's how it works, though. Yeah. If you miss the recovery, then you miss the recovery. Like that's... no, no, no. I'm saying like if you owned a fund and it went down and you didn't sell it, mm-hmm. and you're thinking about selling it now. Oh, okay. And say, okay, instead of selling this today, we're gonna mm-hmm. write this down March and. Uh, a year from now, March of 2020. Oh, Chris. here's here's what. Yeah, I love this idea. Yeah. Actually, just to like tell, write down all the reasons why this fund sucks. Exactly. Say why you want to get out, why it stinks, and then don't do anything. And then don't do anything. And then look at it again in six in, to twelve months. Six, to twelve, eighteen, whatever, months, whatever, whatever it, it is. Yeah. yeah. This is something. Um, I had my my blog launch last week, and Michael Batnick basically uh, explained this. This is how he combats what he calls his internal liar which is uh, all of us have this bias where we um, rewrite history to like fit our narratives. And so the way that the way that Michael says that he combats this is, is he would write down all these thoughts that he had about why he was doing certain things, certain trades that he was doing. And now being able to look back on that, the chronicles of that in hindsight, 
convinced him that like I need to do way way less of this because oh my god look at this garbage that I wrote like yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was I doing and if you don't write it down if you don't write here are all the reasons why I wanted to bail on this fund uh, and you decide to sell it or or you decide to hang on you're gonna rewrite it like if you don't sell it you're gonna be like well I knew all along that it was a temporary blip and that I should just hang in there but. In reality, you wanted with every fiber of your being to drop that Get thing out of that a thing. year ago. And right. it can be reinforcing to read that kind of stuff. And it maybe will guide you to not act on your impulses in the future. Yeah. I, uh, I also think uh, that that kind of is a reminder. You know, when we talk with folks about like what the expected band may be, like, hey, this fund might be, you know, Working in a certain collar, like, oh, okay, it's going to be like, uh, I don't know, it's going to, you know, if the market's down, this could be down more, or if the market's up, it could be up more. I don't want to get into specifics like, hey, if it's down more than 5%, we're going to sell it. But you get the idea how these things trade events. Some, some things are just not going to correlate with the rest of your portfolio. Forget about the market. They're just not going to correlate with the rest of your portfolio. And so there's going to be some things... We need a name for this. Well, let's call it the Jay Bruce effect. At the end of the season, Jay Bruce has 30 home runs. Okay. The problem is he hits 11 in April, zero in May, seven in June. You get the idea, you know, and then he'll hit one in July, 14 in August. He's on the cover of, you know, some magazine. Hmm. The returns, as you like to say, are lumpy, depending on where you're drawing the line. Hey, in this calendar year, this fund really did terrible. Is it really a reason to get out of this thing? This could be the secret sauce that actually next year could give your portfolio a nice kick. Yeah, nice it's, it's always tough to answer the question of when and how or if things are going to mean revert. And I think that the way that I try to look at it is the broader you're thinking, I think the more you can lean on a concept like mean reversion. But even then, it's it's squishy and it's never yeah. going to work on the time frame that you want. But if you're thinking of like asset classes, like stocks, and bonds or like US stocks and international stocks or large cap and small cap stocks. We're getting a little more specific here, but those kind of things really do tend to ebb and flow. If you're talking about like an individual stock, I think there's a stat out there that like like 60% of individual stocks like underperform the rate of T-bills over like a stretch of time. So waiting sure. for mean reversion in individual stock names, I think is a, yeah. is a bad idea. Yeah. Um, have a lot of popcorn right yeah like you could be waiting a, <laughs> a long, long time, time or forever but just to circle back to some of the stuff that jeff was talking about in here in terms of stats he looked from 1996 to 2018 at over 15,000 share classes of active u.s uh, equity mutual funds across all style and size boxes later parsed it out by their groupings specifically but he looked at fund performance and fund flows to determine the hired versus fired criteria and he looked at these funds versus outperformance versus their benchmark versus their peers to determine you know the hired funds they had flows and how did they perform versus right. these benchmarks and across both criteria whether measured against you know the benchmark or their peers you saw the same effect where before it was a before and after so before the uh the hired funds uh outperformed so they showed they display this outperformance and then after they are hired they display underperformance hmm. and this even was accounted for uh he did he did one iteration of this where he removed the dead funds okay because some of the fired funds 
were accounting for survivorship bias by not including funds that were dead as failures, which they were because they were closed. Right. And so even when you threw those in, the hired funds still underperformed even this group of funds that included a bunch that were like dead Liquidated. or merge, merged yeah, out merged of existence or whatever it may be. Wow. So past performance, as Jeff says, is insufficient evidence on a standalone basis to to make these kind of decisions. But people do it all the time. And people people not just meaning individual investors, because everybody likes to say how silly they are, but also professionals in our space. And as we alluded to, the original study looked at institutional investors. And so this is... That's crazy. This is prevalent across the board, no matter how experienced you are as an investor. I think maybe it's something innate in, yeah. in our human human being that tells us we need to just like buy what's worked and sell what hasn't recently. And, uh, you know, like I said, not, not always going to be a poor decision, but, uh, I would, I would think twice. And as Jeff, Jeff suggests, use some additional criteria when, when you're trying to make these decisions. Good advice. Wise, wise man, Jeff Patak. He will I guess we should just say he'll be a future guest. On we'll have to, we'll on have to podcast. go out. We'll have to go out to their conference uh, this summer in in Chicago and and meet him in person. Maybe we'll twist his arm there. Maybe yeah. We could have some uh, Geno's yeah. pizza. Some of those other names I'm drawing a blank on. Check out but, the loop. Uh, yeah, <laughs> good times. My birthplace, Chicago. That's right. Brendan uh, hails from Chicago, Illinois. It's true. So found him on a corner. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode 249, and we will catch you on the next episode, which will be 250. Make sure you're wearing a party hat and streamers when you tune in. Big party. Talk to you then. <laughs>